0: Welcome to Careers in Discovery, your window into the world of leaders in pharma and biotech. Brought to you by Singular Talent, making higher and better for organisations involved in drug discovery and R&D. Gergay is a scientist, computational drug designer, CEO and founder who currently runs Cantor Biopharmaceuticals a company trying to solve the complex problems of neurodegenerative diseases and diabetes. Gergay spoke with us on careers in discovery about his journey through the international biotech sector, the excitement of the golden age of startups in Silicon Valley, the importance of mentorship in building your career, and a brand new model of funding for drug research. Today, I'm joined by Gergé tote of Canterbio Pharmaceuticals. Gergé, thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Uh, thanks very much for inviting me. and I look forward to your our discussions.
0: Absolutely. No, it's great to see you. And um, Gergé, we always start by talking a little bit about the work that you're doing now. And I'm, I'm really fascinated to talk a little bit about Canterbio. Neurodegeneration is an area I find extremely interesting in general. It's so complex and, and so unexplored that I'd be really keen to understand some of the work that, that you and your team are doing in it.
1: Uh, sure. Um, so uh, at Canterbury Pharmaceuticals is focused on developing therapeutic for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and uh, uh, diabetes. Um, the company is very research driven, science focused uh, and our aim is to develop really first-in-class disease-modifying therapeutics that could really reduce uh, progression, possibly halt, uh, and 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 even even possibly even even be preventive.
2: Mm-hmm. at the
1: point. Um, at Cantabio, I am I founded the company uh, some time back. Uh, I'm the CEO. I also um, I'm run research. the chairman of the board so i'm very much involved in all aspects of the company yes um a bit about kind of uh, i want to start uh, when i talk about to kind of step back and and talk to you about uh kind of the 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 science how we think about Mm. um um, targeting uh these aging diseases um we think about uh very critical processes that uh uh, that initiate these diseases and we, we think that these some of these processes are called bichemical stress, and biochemical stress, you can think of biochemical stress as oxygen stress, glyoxal stress, uh, protein aggregation, uh, and so on. And so these processes slowly um, essentially cause the degeneration of, of cells, and in the case of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, uh, uh, you know, uh, very specific uh, brain cells, neurons, um, and and our aim is to uh, slow down, uh, essentially reduce these stresses. And we think reducing just one of these stresses, for example, an antioxidant uh, uh, therapy will probably not be sufficient because these are very complex diseases. Mm-hmm. and Stresses are very much connected. And so uh, we are focused on targeting proteins that, that essentially control the cell zone defense system against uh, such tra- stresses. And so we're to upregulate the cell zone defense system against these stresses. Yes. Um, and this very nicely comes together uh, in one of our targets, uh, uh, which is called DJ1, which I'll talk a bit uh, about uh, later. Mm-hmm. Be- before I get into, I wanna talk a bit generally more about the company. So uh, we are very target driven. So we work on, uh, again, a, p- a protein called DJ1. We also work on a protein called tau uh-huh. uh, and uh, A-beta. And so we're looking at three targets. Um, and we also have a, a, a drug discovery platform technology, which we call um, development of pharmacological chaperones. And okay. we have a very specific way of developing pharmacological chaperones, which are basically small molecules that stabilize the native active state of a protein. Mm-hmm reduce its, their ability to kind of misfold and lose their structure and aggregate. And so in protein misfolding diseases, this is, uh, you, can, you can call this an uh, um, aggregation inhibition strategy, right. but it's a very specific strategy because you're targeting the native uh, state of these proteins. And this has been very challenging in, uh, in, in protein targets in Alzheimer's or Parkinson's because these are intrinsically, these are proteins, essentially proteins that lack um, a, a stable structure and um, and, and they have a, they exist in an ensemble of very different uh, structures.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so we've been pioneering how kind of the structural biology and the biophysics, how one can bind a small molecule to a very flexible protein. Um, and, and so we've done a lot of uh, you know basic research in that and developed um, uh, screening technologies mostly based on biophysics uh, to, to, to essentially find small molecules that may, um, you know that bind and reduce their uh, the aggregation of these proteins. Yeah, I see. So I want to just t- touch briefly upon uh, kind of DJ1 uh, because it's a much less known target and it mm. I think has a huge potential. Um, DJ1 is uh, generally uh, people think of DJ1 as an anti-stress uh, molecule. Um, uh, DJ1 is, is 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 a multifunctional protein and responsible for controlling protein homostasis, uh, redox, and protein homostasis. And it can do that in many different ways. And the reason I started, we started working on DJ1 because it's genetically linked to the onset of Parkinson's disease. Right. This means that um, certain mutations in people in DJ1 uh, lead to uh, a loss of DJ1 function and the early onset of familiar parkinson's disease and so mm-hmm. this genetic link uh you know gives very strong validation that this is this is a good target for for sporadic parkinson's and obviously there's a lot of science mm-hmm. um involving that now interestingly dj1 is, is, is something a target that hasn't been targeted much by okay. pharma and the reason is that it's a, it's a redox uh, activated uh, protein and what uh, and, and essentially, it's a protein that has not been uh, target has not been drug before. Mm-hmm. And so, and so obviously, that kind of scares a lot of people off. Right. Complex biology. So that's perfect for a startup, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, there's a lot, a lot of new discoveries to be had, a lot of potential. And DJ1, because it's an, you know, it's it's a it's it's kind of a central molecule. It's an anti-stress molecule, um, and it's very relevant to level of oxidative stress its functions it's relevant in a number of diseases not just for parkinson's mm-hmm. oxy stress-related diseases so alzheimer's disease um, um uh, you know stroke uh, diabetes or, 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 or diabetic complications um uh, male fertility interestingly and so on and so on um and interestingly it has been also identified as an oncogene okay and also drives in, in cancer it's very highly overexpressed and and, and actually it's overactivated and um, also relevant in cancer but in, in a very opposite way. So anyhow so on DJ1 we have a number of pro- programs we have a number of different ligands which you're developing for Parkinson's and also from uh, and, and conversely to cancer depending on their their mechanism uh, of, um, of, of binding. Um, and we also have a, a, a fairly sim- simple supplementation therapy where we engineer the cell trend DJ1, um, which um, uh, through a subcutaneous injection can
2: mm-hmm.
1: distribute and, and essentially increases uh, uh, DJ1 levels, and we think this would be very good for diabetic complications like diabetic kidney disease and so on. So. Right. So that's where we kind of are, are trying to go with on, on the diabetes uh, uh, point. And this is the, the, go, the, the, the idea here is that this is a, an anti-glyoxal uh, therapy, where, which, which is actually very important in, um, in, in diabetic kidney disease. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on tau, I mean, tau is a very uh, a big target now for Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. And the reason is that tau has been shown to, uh, tau aggregation and and, and, uh, and um, has been uh, and tau aggregate load has been correlated very well with, with Alzheimer's uh, um, uh, progression and uh, while this is not necessarily the case for a beta and so there we have the same pharmacological chaperones for tau um, that that uh, inhibit or reduce tau aggregation and right. uh, it's 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 a quite novel approach, it's very competitive. um, And so we're trying to take these, you know, towards uh, the clinic slowly and very similar in A-beta, we have very similar pharmacal chaperones although that's earlier stage and and actually given, um, um, given kind of the recent, um, um, essentially FDA approval of Biogen's uh, immunotherapy uh, for Alzheimer's disease, essentially conditional approval. Um, you know, programs like Tau um, and A-beta uh, targeting small molecules are, are more in favor, let's yes. say, in industry yes. because, um, because um, you know, the, the clear outcome or the marker of efficacy uh, from a biomarker point of view is reduction of plaque log or, uh, or, or um, uh, uh, or, or PHF load,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in regards to tau. so. So we think we are good, very well positioned there. And and I, I think probably the last thing about the small molecule approach here is, you know, most of the industry is doing an immunotherapy approach. Um, so uh, expensive antibodies, and so, um, so my colleague here. That's okay. <laughs> expensive antibodies um, and. And, and okay. I, I think there's, there's now concern uh, again with disapproval approval that you know who's going to pay fifty-six thousand dollars per year for for, for therapy for, for Biogen's uh, 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 drug. So so that's a great great. It's really a, a, a really a huge challenge uh, mm. for a society. And with small molecules, this this would not be an issue because because they're cheap to produce. Yeah, of course. So that's in 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 briefly that's that's what we're doing at Cantabio and. Um, you know, it, we think it's an exciting company, but um, but it's 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 a tough tough um, area to be in um, for a small company because there's been so many failures in the industry right. in the last 20 years, and it's just you know mo- most of the invest 95% of, the, of venture capitalists just don't invest in this area.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I wanted to talk a little bit about that because so so one of my first questions was going to be around why neurodegeneration and diabetes, but I, I guess that's because of this DJ one protein that you're targeting that's that's common to to both types of conditions. Um, you you mentioned about I guess some of the dynamics around targeting targets that haven't been drugged or, or have been drugged very little um previously, and and you said there about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and some of the the reluctance around that. It's interesting, I suppose it takes quite a lot of courage to explore some of these areas these days because um, there have been failures and also there is this tendency to stick with the the targets we know can be drugged Um, and I guess it's such a small area of the potential targets that are out there that... um, you'd think it would be easier to break into some of these new areas or new frontiers, but I guess the, the sort of investment dynamics sometimes dictate that. Was that, was that something that was challenging in starting the company or how did you sort of negotiate that?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's been challenging. When I started the company, it's been, it's, it's, it's it's very challenging now. And and, and, and this has actually grown out to be a much bigger issue in my life in a sense that uh, it's, it's actually a subject of my research, which I, a bit later on is, is essentially how do you find capital for uh, for neglected things or mm-hmm. you know stuff that uh, um, uh, that is high risk and the fact that our industry is is, is you know profit oriented and so um, investors you know which I mean pharmaceutical companies venture capital investors you know, will invest into project which have higher, you know, they try to minimize risk and and um, their decision based on how they're going to invest their capital is purely uh, whether they can make a profit yeah. Or for, for their own investors. And so yeah. this, you know, if you really think about this, this really kind of limits the progress of uh, of the industry um, and, and science and, and research. Um, so that's just on the, uh, on, on, you know, this comment is just on the, let's say, the business side of things. Obviously, sure. on, this, on, on the academic side, uh, there is somewhat of a similar dynamic, but it just works works differently. Yeah. There because, uh, uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. In Alzheimer's disease, um, that's in Parkinson's, which is interesting. I mean, everybody's, um, you know, if you look at how many articles are on a-beta or towers or alpha synuclein, which are basically uh, the proteins that are, are mostly are present in, in these uh, amyloid fibrils,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, which are pathological hallmarks of the disease. Everybody's working on them. But, you know, if you look at Lewy bodies or amyloid plaques, there's another 600, 900 other proteins in there. Right. High quantity. And if you're not talking about, no one's looking at them. Yeah. Um, everybody's looking at A-beta aggregation. And so, uh, and it, it's kind of the herd mentality, and and obviously that's true in science and in business. That's even it's even it's even worse. Um, so so that actually is a big big problem for us. Mm. And, um, and um, nevertheless, I, I think, uh, and and again, at at some point, I can talk more about that. Is is the way I've done my career is that I, I've kind of always went after things that. I'm passionate about, um, and I think they are important and, and, and some, you know, that has a cost and sometimes (laughs) you do have to make compromises, right? Because, because you got to pay, you got to pay salaries, you got to pay rent, you got to pay, you know, you know, whatever. So, so there's always a compromise, but it's, it's just nice to kind of nice to, to try to solve difficult problems. Yeah. It gets you up at in the morning, and it, it makes your work very meaningful. And, and so, um, I have put that as a priority in my career, and then more secondary it has been okay. How are we going to finance it? Yeah. And <laughs> and how are we going to get it done? Is, um, it's not the smartest, but but it's it's actually a Silicon Valley attitude a lot, and and I, uh, and um, and that's something that I really learned. Um, in the Silicon Valley, um, um, and I can again talk more about that um, a bit later. Yeah,
0: no, we, we will certainly get into that. I think it's it's interesting the way you view it, though, because I suppose if you are if you're clear on the problem you're trying to solve, funding it is just one of the problems you have to solve along the way, right? It's a uh, it's a different exactly. way to approach
1: it. Exactly. Yeah. One problem. It's it's uh, yeah. it's an important. <laughs> But um, yes, it, 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 certainly, that, and that's part of that's part that's part of things.
0: Now. I suppose there's this tension now, isn't there? I, I don't want to dive too much into this, but it, it's interesting. There's the, there's a tension, I suppose, from the investment side between everybody wants to arrive first and get the big win, but very few people want to go first and take the risk, right? And it's I guess finding some common ground in between in between those two
1: things. Yeah, it's
0: it's
1: a chicken and egg problem. And <laughs> it's, very, it's it's. You know, and that's true for a lot of uh, high-risk, early-stage projects. Um, um, you know, you, you talk to a lot of investors, and they said, oh, I, you know, I love this, but i, I got to reduce risk. Can you come back later? And then you say, well, y- yes, but I, I will never get there if you don't give me money. Right. And, and, and you know, a big pharma is also doing that very smartly um, because, you know, they are saying that they're putting money into early State research and and, and and kind of moving and they are moving um, and investing at earlier projects and doing partnership at their, their projects but nevertheless most of them still will really get engaged when you, mm-hmm. you got a, a, a therapeutic that's the risk and it's basically ready, going to, ready to go into the clinic and yeah. that's when they kind of start putting their, their money in and 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 you know they can afford to do that because at that point they might pay a premium, but 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 then you know they, they get something that's more de risk and yes, a lot of of the, the kind of all the old innovative part which which might fail and, and so on and so on. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I, I'm sure we'll circle back to this, but it'd be it'd be interesting to talk through the journey of how you arrived here as well. So um, we always we always go back to the very beginning. Okay, and I'm really interested always in first of all the origins of people's careers. So for, for you, why science? Why drug discovery? Why why this career for you?
1: Um, yeah, so that's uh, something. Uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting question because uh, you know at a certain point you kind of start thinking about why 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 did I this? why did I this um, and. And i thought about this and i it, it goes back to uh, it's pretty simple for me because it goes back to my parents both of my chem- parents are are chemists okay um uh, both actually worked in academia and uh so uh and interestingly because of that uh, when i was a kid i swore that i would never become a scientist <laughs> uh, because you it, it, it's uh, you know it's, it's, if you're a kid you kind of want to do Different thing to your parents, yeah, your yep. parents be better, more successful, um, or whatever. And it's not that my parents, uh, I think my parents were very successful, um, in, in academia. And, uh, for example, my dad published over 300 papers um, mm-hmm. and was a professor of, of chemistry, and um, and so he had a, he had a very nice career. Um, but nevertheless, I I I, I was I, I want to do something else. Right. Well, uh, interestingly, what happened was um, my elementary school was very close to my uh, my dad's lab, and I when I w- would get off from school, I would always kind of go to his office and lab, hang out there to do my homework, and would go home together. I did that for years, mm. and somehow hanging out in the lab, um, I found it quite nice and intriguing and relaxing. Right. I really liked the environment where, where people just, uh, it was quiet most of the time. And, um, um, and, 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 and it seemed like people were doing interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another thing was interesting is, is that my parents had a lot, you know, their friends were mostly scientists, right? So, uh, and I, uh, and we had and e- even in the family, we had some other scientists, and they they all, know some of these scientists had very good character they were very proud yeah of what they were doing um and certainly they were doing meaningful work and and what struck me is that these guys were very passionate and they were hardly making any money right Mm -hmm. so um uh, uh, and and it it was just again coming back to 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 meaningful and and i had you know my dad he 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 says that you know if i i would have to start over i would still become a chemist you know so that's 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 a good, uh, anyhow. So that's kind of the environment I grew up, uh, and I, I grew up in Hungary, kind of socialist Hungary when I, was, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid. And I was mostly interested in sports. I mean, I was uh, I started playing basketball when I was thirteen, and I'm very short. I'm 171 centimeters. Okay. And, and but but for some reason I was very interested in basketball, and um, I, I would just play you know hours and hours of basketball and and and. And then started to be pretty good at it. Played in uh, different teams at the university, and I even played in a professional team for about a year. Okay. Um, and and so I learned a lot about basketball. But how, as I was going up at seventeen, eighteen, I, I was so much into sports. I, I you know I, I did. I was a good student, but but I I, I didn't. I wasn't thinking you know mm-hmm. about my okay what I'm going to do. And I was thinking you know maybe I'll be playing the NBA. You know right. or whatever you know so, so as a kid but um and and interestingly um i found that uh i found that that uh somehow chemistry struck you know hanging out all those years looking at my dad's uh some fun experiments that he was doing for me a lot of the stuff so i was very it was easy i hardly had to study any chemistry and it kind of stuck right. so i got in um i got into um, um undergrad as a chemistry master uh, or or focus and you know I didn't have to study too much so Mm. kind of a lazy kid stink who was always into sports (laughs) right so that that was me and uh, so that's kind of how I got on the track of 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 being scientist Um, and and just want to kind of circle back to basketball and sports is that uh, here a comment before I continue uh, with this thought is is actually kind of Sports was very important. Looking back, sports and basketball is very important. I mean, being a short kid, um, you know, I, I mean, people were literally twice as big as, as right. I was, right, on the basketball court. But I, I ended up, uh, I ended up providing value there. I was very good shot. I, I was fast. Um, I, I had strategic thinking on the court, so I was able to, you know, kind of organize the team as a mm-hmm. point guard. And 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 essentially uh, was 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 you know very valuable part of the team for for, for a long time. It also provided me uh, to to you know take up a good challenge. And, yes. and, and 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 so looking back, it you know for my son or my daughter, I I I've, I, I you know I tried to encourage basketball, but 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 I w- I would talk them out if they kind of become too serious about this because right. it's just it's a no win situation but with that I even I, I did it so it, it kind of it, it's a bit like talk you know working on Alzheimer's awesome Parkinson's I mean you know our chances of developing the drug is very very low you know and then you think why and how would you be wasting your career on this yeah but but it's actually fun you know it's you're you know we're you, me and my team are very passionate about it. And it, it has to do something like basketball. Sometimes we can cut it out. So, don't worry. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, so, so it's, it's, um, you know, it's kind of being in the game and following your passion and, mm. and then this will happen. And I think this is, uh, th- there's a parallel between that, you it's know, interesting. my, yeah. my uh, <laughs> basketball career and, 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 and scientist, but you know, with, with science, it's kind of a longer term. So yeah. a, a, a bit better chance of, uh, of success yeah yeah so just and then just to finish up so so i i um i finishing my undergrad it was very clear to me you know um this is in hungary it's very clear to me that i wanted to travel i wanted to see the world Mm -hmm. and um and kind of science was just a way i could do it so i i put a lot of effort to apply to grad school in in the states yeah and uh, ended up getting it into a, a place called uh, Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, which mm-hmm. is a, it's a private Jesuit university, and it has a very it is a very good medical school and and and, and, a, and a decent biomedical sciences graduate program, or, a good one. And so I got in there and did sort of my PhD in biophysics and computational structural biology. Yes, in the lab of um, uh, a Professor uh, Lawash and, and that. Uh, and essentially, when I knew that I wanted to be in science, um, and I was perhaps good in sciences, is, is in my PhD when I realized I start really working and, and realize, you know what, um, this is this is this is a very intriguing area of work, and um, and and has a lot of you know it's very meaningful, and, mm. and I think importantly, it's the it's kind of the the fact that you are trying to solve many different puzzles, like never ending puzzles and, yes. and and so on. So that's kind of when I decided, you know, that I'm going to be in science for the long term. And, um, and, and also at that time, I realized that more applied science would be probably better for me, as it gives me a lot more, a, a faster reward than being in very basic research where, you know, you don't even know really if anyone's reading your papers. <laughs>
0: And, and was that why computational approaches appealed because i guess this is kind of 20 years ago or so, so yeah, it's the yeah. very early days then yeah yeah
1: so 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 i was um uh yeah yeah so so i i it was interesting because i i was always interested in um in and in, in you know computational pro you know computation and, and computers yeah back to when i was early teenagers i was doing some coding um so so i had a i had a good background uh, but you know at, at during my phd I, I i started doing some coding myself uh, which was very necessary and um i learned much about structural biology and, and biophysics and and essentially i was a lot of uh, that's the basis of, of compu- computer drug discovery which i ended up uh doing for a long time which you're still doing a lot at, at canter bio mm,
0: no interesting and and so so you went out to the states you went out to to omaha um and and we, last time we talked actually go we talked a bit about budapest today and the things that are happening there and how it's moving forward but i guess going from hungary to to the us was probably quite quite a change what what were your sort of what what was that like how how was that for you
1: sure i mean it's um uh, i mean a couple of things you know uh, at that point so i grew up in let's say socialist uh, hungary by that time sure. Or the Berlin war went down, so you know Hungary at that point was, let's say, was right. Yes, of course. Yeah. It, it, it system. Nevertheless, it was. It's, it was. You know, it's still a very different, and it was a very different uh, system. Yeah. Uh, at at that point, um, um, you know, I I to be honest, I traveled quite a bit, and I I, I it wasn't wasn't necessarily a big change, that much big change for me, um, uh, but. Um, because uh, I, I, I lived in the U.S. before. Um, right, okay. Uh, my parents, actually, my parents uh, were, um, uh, my dad had, for three years, we lived in, in Tucson, at the, and my dad worked at the University of Arizona when I was mm-hmm. a kid, so that had also a very strong impact. You know, my English um, developed there, and, and I was a lot more open. Uh, being, being known. But, but certainly, you know, there's a big difference between um, kind of a socialist even changing country to a democratic country. Uh, and there's even a big difference between the Midwest and California. Uh, sure. And, uh, and you, know, or, you know, at Creighton already, um, you, kind of the scale of things was very different than back, back in Hungary, you know, uh, the departments the, the available to money, um, the, the, uh, the diversity of the students, mm-hmm. um, very important, the attitudes. Um, That you know, very important that you know we're attacking important problems, and 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 it doesn't really matter what we do here, and 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 you know, kind of, it's just kind of the next uh, level of um, doing science. I think uh, in Hungary, you know, people do science, they publish the papers, but they don't necessarily think that there can be more than that, and and unfortunately, some of that is still true. There's no translation. Um, uh, there's a limited thinking of being, uh, of doing things bigger, and, and the U.S. has been always about doing things bigger and better, uh, you know. So, so I think that uh, that was um, some some of the uh, changes, but you know, it, everything was very different because. Um, I was living at home with my parents during the <laughs> early years now. I'm living alone, so there's just too, way too many changes. Yeah, of course, um, of course. Uh, way too many changes to say, um, but, but I think, again, the idea was that I, I kind of became a young scientist at that point,
2: Yeah, uh,
1: which was uh, which is very, very important. And you mentioned earlier on that you
0: decided quite quickly you wanted to do something quite applied. Uh, with your work. Um, and did you know it was drug discovery at that point? Or did that come later? Uh,
1: you know, that came later. Um, that came later when I, um, so after finishing my PhD, I, I had, a, I, I worked very hard. And I, I you know, uh, probably had some luck. That's, uh, science is, is, is sometimes all about luck. <laughs> And I ended up uh, publishing quite a bit, a number of papers. Uh, and, and so I had many opportunities, many different opportunities for for postdocs uh, positions. So I, and then I ended up uh, uh, going to UC Berkeley in California um, um, to Dan Koshland's lab at uh, um, uh, cellular and microbiology department. Mm-hmm. And that was a big change because I, I went um, and I purposely did that uh, in a sense that I, I, I really wanted to, um, I was trying to think maybe too strategically, I was thinking, okay, I, I, I got to change, I got to learn more new things. So I ended up, you know, going from working in a computer and doing a lot of in-vitro biophysical stuff to kind of working um, doing microbiology, um, expressing proteins, you know, pro- doing a lot of actually protein engineering, which was actually very difficult because I, I did just didn't have the Experience kind right. of laboratory experience, and and Berkeley was a very company place. It wasn't like a lot of people would want to help you. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, um, anyway, um, so so anyway, I, I went there, and and that was a huge change from Omaha uh, in many different ways. And um, one is that I basically this was in two thousand one, right? This is kind of dot com uh, height of the dot com era. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, around Berkeley and all around the university, everything's exploding. You know, the valuations are are exploding. Um, Venture capitalists are throwing millions of dollars in, you know, uh, with not much thought into companies. And and you're kind of sitting back in the university, looking out the window, and and it seems like everything is going by you. You know, kind of Silicon Valley is going by. (laughs) Anyway, um, so that was kind of one of the feelings. The second is is that in 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 Hungary. And in Omaha, I just, you know, we were not taught even in Omaha about startups. Okay. Uh, we were not taught about translation. We were not taught about uh, business management. You know, there were no courses, uh, even though it's a fairly big universities, which which was looking back, which was a bit surprising. Hmm. And, and we go in Berkeley and everybody wants to start their company, right? And, and Stanford and UC. So, so it was a really, really... Exciting to place to be, and and I think still uh, obviously Boston and and Silicon Valley is still very exciting places yes. to and be. Um, so as now obviously um, with this whole um, you know certain companies is now a lot more global. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. um, so so I think this is the environment, and and this actually led me to only stay one year as a postdoc, yeah, uh, because um, I was I was very quickly um, offered a position. Um, At a young startup, uh, or just a service starting up uh, in Mountain View called Protein Mechanics. And that was a computational uh, structure, uh, computational drug discovery company Mm -hmm. uh, funded by a number number of venture capitalists. I was the second employee there. And I I ended up becoming like the head of the computer drug discovery group there. Um, But there was the first time I ended up uh, really focusing on drug discovery. and uh, number one, number two, I, uh, this is very important in my career. I started uh, in being involved in business because you're sitting in a small company and raising funding um, and you know everything we were doing were milestones so you could meet the milestones so we could raise another fund another round of financing uh, and one of those milestones was, was was you know, generating partnership and general interest in, in the technology that you we were developing. So I very much got involved in that. And I, I realized that I was very, uh, I was great. It was very exciting to not just think about science, but how do you translate that into a business activity? And I I, I and I, I found it uh, to be, you know, good at it in a sense, you know, quickly catch on and things mm-hmm. like that. So that was a, a very important, um, pointed my career. And since then, I've been in basically all about, um, you know, early stage companies, uh, think about translation, and essentially, basically changed my career based on that. Yes. So,
0: uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to understand the path from there to here. So, so you went into an early stage company as the second employee. Um, I, and then I believe you spent a bit of time at a bigger
1: company. Um, yeah, for, for yeah, a while yeah. Before
0: starting on starting your own things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and and that was also, I think very important. So, I mean, at Protein Mechanics, uh, we grew the company, um, and then, um, ended up selling the company, uh, to a company called Locust Pharmaceuticals, which is a bigger and more Mm -hmm. of a finance company. Um, and, um, and, and I, I took very, I was very much part of the team who sold it. So that was a great experience, uh, to be part of that at fairly early in my career. Um, and then um, Locus was in Philadelphia. I really wanted to stay in, uh, in the Bay Area. So I ended up uh, getting hired at uh, Elon Pharmaceuticals as, as the head of computer drug discovery group, actually to start a, a drug discovery group there. And Elon was a bigger company. So it's a yes. multi-billion dollars company, several thousand employees. And so uh, it was also a very important part of my career because I started working on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's drug discovery. I first time I was in a really big, uh, you know, big company, uh, which had v- very different challenges compared to a small company. Mm-hmm. So, about, you know, how you get promoted, how do you interface with, with different teams, uh, how do you interface with your boss? And, and it was uh, goals were not so straightforward anymore.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> sense. Yeah, you had a goal, but it was, um, it was, and and, and then essentially kind of thinking about, you know, my role in an organization and my significance, you know, what does that work, does that, and, and that kind of comes back um, to, um, you know, where do you want to be and and, and, and uh, what environment do you want to work in? And what, what, what makes you feel better? And working in a big company really made me realize that I really am, I really enjoy working in a small company setting where, where um, you know, teams are smaller, smaller, um, uh, smaller, uh, more personal teams. Um, yes. and so on. So um, I, I left uh, uh, alone in two thousand and nine, uh, something, something like that. And and I ended up. I've been thinking a lot about starting a company. And, and I actually tried. I had a couple of ideas and tried to mm-hmm. raise it while I was there. Uh, but it was very difficult. You know, being in a company. I mean, a big company will own your soul right yeah <laughs> ways, or at least all your thoughts for a while so it's not it's not that easy um but um kind of working at um uh, and that's where essentially the idea came um to target dj1 for parkinson's and i actually proposed this at lawn um there wasn't much interest in that and then you know when i left after a while um, I, I, I basically started doing this and then um this so that's. Again, I left uh, this big company, and then just to kind of move quicker now, um, I had, um, I managed a, a collaboration with the University of Cambridge, Professor Chris Yeah. The University of Cambridge for years, and then I, I made some, some, some connections there, and then joined, ended up joining a, a larger consortium grant from Wellcome Trust. And that that kind of gave me an opportunity to go work at uh, University of Cambridge, essentially leave the Bay Area, um, which I thought was very adventu- adventurous. And and I I, I found and I, I, I took this opportunity, and so I went to work at the University of Cambridge. I had um, and I actually I ended up essentially uh, raising some more money from Elon to support the, the funding there. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: we had a really nice effort working on Tau. Um, and essentially this, this is a project we licensed it into Cantabio later. Um, being at, at Cambridge was great because number one, the inners are very flexible. They essentially enabled me to kind of develop Cantabio on the side uh, because I started that with, with some uh, some uh, ideas only, so we had right. no. Uh, so it took me a long time to write grants and get the initial screenings done, uh, talk you know talk a number of people into helping me. Um, and for example, um, uh, uh, Chris Roche at Purdue University was 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 very kind to kind of jump in, and take a risk,
2: mm-hmm.
1: stage to to support some release really, uh, screens on on D J one and so on. So slowly we developed. You know that company was developed. I was at at Cambridge, uh, which was again a, a great experience, very different to the Bay Area, but very different um, yeah. from the industry. And um, here I want to mention that I had a chance to. Um, to do an executive MBA at the George business school at Cambridge. And and that's something that I've been planning to do. Okay. Uh, but it was just so difficult to, to kind of, when I, you know, working and, and putting, you know, and, and doing an MBA and yes, and even financing it. And so a lot of things in my life actually changed um, uh, that I was able to kind of go to Cambridge and, 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 and essentially do an executive MBA, uh, which was, was, was just a great experience because mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 MBA and Executive MBA is very much geared in, in, in Cambridge toward entrepreneurship. It's um it's not it's not just full of bankers or financiers. Yes. rather a lot of um you know a lot of engineers, um, you know all kinds of you know very very uh, diverse set of people, and so you get this diverse set of people with much experience in you know. In a classroom, it's it's, it's it can be it's it's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's great, and, and then also getting a formal business education is is just very helpful when you want to, you know, in management or finance, it's just very helpful when you kind of want to run a company. Yeah, it's not you're not kind of doing it from intuition. So that that was really a good good thing, and obviously, uh, it you know, Cambridge MBA at least in Europe gets you in the doors. Um, True. Also and things like that, so that's also I've um, been very grateful and also the network that you get from that has been has been very good um, and then just to make things short, in 2015 we finally ended up raising more significant amounts of money for Cantabio. and then so I left Cambridge and ended up uh, focusing most of my time uh, on Cantabio and, um, and Serendipity Habit um, I was also at was able to uh, get in a grant here in Budapest. And so now I have a small academic lab uh, that I run here in um, and, and, and Budapest, and then um, which does a lot of basic research mm-hmm. on dj one and protein aggregation, also on Parkinson's, and then, and then we have Cantabio, which does a lot of applied research. So that's, that's, that's what I uh, do now, and this is kind of my career path.
0: Yes. No, that's, that's really interesting. And so there's a number of things that I'd like to dive into about, that. um, I suppose the first one is, so you joined protein mechanics as, as employee number two, how different how different was it then starting
1: up a company as the CEO? Um, well, it, in a sense, I mean, it's, it's very different, obviously. Um, you know, can uh, protein mechanics was was financed by venture capital, so so there was, my, there was a very very good salary, you know there's a, a decent salary I had a very you know I, I did have a focused um, you know goals and responsibilities although I, w- I was looking for more as I described to you in, yeah. in, in, in business setting and I uh, which was uh, uh, I could I could participate which is very nice but you know as, as, as a founder you really gotta think about everything um, and building a team, uh, the science, financing. Um, uh, and, and it, it's it's a lot of responsibility and and it pulls you uh, it, it pulls you in many different directions and so it's sometimes hard to hard to keep focus mm. um, and and um, you know so that's I think that's that's, that's important uh, you know another thing is that I, I think the first time I got a salary was after, Five or six years for right. <laughs> the company, but of course, you know, it's a different thing because the company—it wasn't like we, we had no technology. So it was my yeah. no ideas, and it took a long time. And there was no even to bring in early investors. It took a couple of years for people would come in. Uh, so so it was very different. But perhaps one thing I want to just kind of mm. emphasize here, and, and I, 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 I is is how difficult I found. To build teams with limited resources right and, and and that's that's been kind of you know it, 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 this is it's, it's, i think I, I don't think people talk enough about that uh, because people you know you look at a startup and and they do great things and you might have one or two founders and you know they're super smart and and and, and you know um clearly um, you know above everyone else but but there's no way those people can accomplish all, all of that alone yeah we needed to build it. Uh, you needed to have a really good team um in, you know if you're trying to solve very difficult problems you cannot do it if you don't have a good team right mm-hmm. you need people the question is if you have limited resources how do you attract good people it's a chicken and egg problem and, and there's no solution to that you know <laughs> uh, and not not no easy solution to that and so and, and it goes back you know good Good you know academic labs, um, yeah they do have a good leader but but that leader has to uh, d- uh, you know build up a good team because someone has to do the experiment and, and yes. a lot of things are very complicated so you have to have many good people. yes it's all about developing an organization that um, that have good people uh, you could call them talented, work hard, motivated and so this is kind of a central uh, part of my career and 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 I, I try to put a lot of effort into finding people um, mm-hmm. you know, who kind of have a long term vision to to work with, 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 not necessarily me, but on the same path, you know, okay. um, a common purpose is, is, is the research goals. Um, and I, I think that I think that's that's very important. And the second is, is, is this lack of mentorship now in, in our, um, you know, uh, today. I think everybody's moving from job to job. Uh, people in leadership positions, you know, being a mentor now doesn't pay off. Right. You, you, you see the Chinese movies where you have a mentor and, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, essentially students will be loyal. For a long time yeah you know I, I had so many graduate students here do you think i even anyone gives me a call how am i doing you know <laughs> four or five years and uh, they, they they call me when they need a recommendation level of course and, yeah yeah but, okay that's not totally true but but you know you know my point so so the yeah. thing is that you can only build a good organization if you have you have mentorship around you take care of your people and and, and, and then the students have to also understand that they have a responsibility to their mentors. And, and, then, um, and then they, as they become uh, more sophisticated and more experienced, they'll have also mentor um, and, you know, uh, responsibilities. Yes. And that kind of connects you to, to thinking about management um, and, and you know, how you manage your career, how you manage within the organization, and, yeah. you know, and so on and so on. There's something that totally lacks in academia because no one is, 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 is teaching that, um, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but it lacks also, and so it kind of lacks some of some people learn that in the industry, but but I, I, I've I tried to put the effort into that, and it's not easy because people just sometimes not so receptive to it.
0: No, and it's it, it's not a sort of short project, that is it, and I think, um, you know, we. I see a lot of shifts in what people want from their work now and, and very aligned with what you're saying. You know, I think companies and academic institutes, they have to think about, well, why from their point of view, why would someone want to work here and do this with us rather than, Oh, they should want to work here. And I think actually a lot of the time, particularly for scientists, it comes down to what's the problem. What's the mission? What's the, what's the thing you're trying to solve and is it important enough and is it challenging enough? And is it something that they're going to engage with? And as, as you talked about at the beginning, is it something they feel strongly about, even if it's not always the the most obvious commercial path um, and development, you know, people want to learn, people want to develop, people want to, uh, even if they're not particularly driven by career progression, they want to learn new things and they want to be able to do more or, or be more accomplished. And I think, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't know that resources give you those things, right? It's easier to have a training department if you've got a lot of money, or it's easier to have a great employer brand if you've got a lot of money and those kinds of things. But yeah, I, I, I think we see this in the market that that mission and a focus on development are so important in attracting people these days and, and getting them to stay as well as getting them to join. Um, so it's interesting um,
1: that you've come across that in your journey as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, um, you know, I, I just a comment that I have, um, I have uh, one of my that's um, uh, the most productive colleagues um, is, is, a, is a guy who basically, um, he, f- he finished grad school and, and he, he kind of contacts me and says, Oh, I, I really want to work with you. And I, I, and I said, why? Well, because you kind of have, you understand science and you understand business. This is what I, I want to do. I said, oh, that's great. But, but we, don't, we don't really have an open position. And I said, yeah. no, 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 but I really want to work. I mean, give me a chance. I said, all right, come, come back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in the morning and, and we'll see what we can do. So he comes back and I, I tell him, look, um, you can hang out in the lab, uh, do some work, but we cannot pay you. So he comes in every day in the morning and you know spends 10 hours Mm and picks up some some techniques and so on and so on and um does this for a couple of months and and he was you know he was working so hard and and i said okay i'm going to give you a job so we gave him a job uh (laughs) maybe five six years ago and yeah he had come a long way from that and he's he's very dedicated and and, and really a very dynamic and um, a lead, leading in, in, individual in, in, in our small organization. So so that's kind of, and I kind of learned from that because a lot of times you kind of go after people and you try to attract them yeah and it comes easy and they will leave you very easily too mm. because many, many opportunities. So so I've now done this trick at least one or two more t- uh, times and, and it, it, you know, it's it, it's, it, it has worked out um, yeah. to make people work for it and, um, and it just works out very well and it's a nice balance to that yeah and I but, think but to be honest it's very rare to find people who will come and say for oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. I really want to be here
0: but I think that speaks to obviously the, the sort of um, the reputation you built, the relationship you had with this person that, that made them want to seek you out in the first place right? and that's, it takes a long time to do that um, and I think, as you say, you know, it's perhaps sometimes it's it's about doing those things without the expectation that they will come back to you. And then, funnily enough, they do if you do them in the right way. But um, I think where you do them, where people do them transactionally, that's when they don't get what they want out of it, right? Um, but we could we could spend a lot of time on this <laughs> in the spirit of yeah. mentorship, Gergay. Uh, okay, um, you've obviously worked through. Research, drug discovery, the biotech industry and a number of different, um, a number of different institutions and and types of organizations from, you know, startups to to bigger pharma companies to academia and and starting a biotech company. Um, If there was maybe one or two things you wish you'd known as a scientist starting out uh, back when you did or or advice that you would give to those who are starting out today, what, what would those things be?
1: Uh, sure, I mean, I, I actually get this uh, a lot, this question, because okay. I, 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 I teach graduate students at, at UCL at the School of Pharmacy, and mm-hmm. I, I actually uh, teach about the biotech industry, business of biotech, and bioentrepreneurship. So, um, you know, this is a kind of a topic that is quite popular um, you know, yes. after, after in certain, certain classes, which are perhaps uh, not so exciting. Uh, so so i i i so again, I get i really have a lot of people coming and they're kind of lost obviously they are perhaps earlier in their um, career and and so this is a, a very complicated question because everybody has a lot more detailed uh, you know there's something different everybody wants to raise yeah. but these are some of the questions that I get for example I see an academia or should I go into industry if I go into industry, what type of company should I be going Um, should I kind of continue on the science side? Should I kind of try to push for, to be on on the business uh, side of things? So, so these are very basic, basic things. And if you want to be a scientist, you know, possibly, you know, you got to think about how you can manage your career? Should I stick Mm -hmm. to kind of one area? Should I go and do something very different to be more multidisciplinary? So there's a lot of questions that, um, I think there are out there and and there are some basic things that I, I, I tell uh, tell the students because I, I again, I, I had a, a little bit of time to think about this. One is it goes back to what I've been talking about. It's, it's really good to could, to kind of think about what, you know, you know, one really wants to do, Right. what what you're driven by, what's, what is the, your passion because, you know, whatever you're going to do, when you get a job, you're going to do that for eight hours a day, at least, you know, possibly for decades. Yes. It might as well. Something, uh, so something that you really care about. And it's surprising how people and young people don't necessarily think about that, but rather say, okay, well, I just did my grad school. I should make some money. So, you know, I'm going to try to get a job that kind of pays good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but they don't think about details. Um, so, you know, I tell people exactly think about what you want to do and, and, and go after whatever that is, after you kind of realize, you know, you, you, you thought about uh, what's, what drives you. And perhaps with that, you know, you can do a modeling where you say, okay, well, you know, what's going to, where do I want to be in five years? Where do wow. I want to be in 10 years? Um, and, and so on. Um, and, and, and so set up your goals that way. Um, and and that, that will immensely, I think, make it, make it uh, more clear. And also, I tell them that, you know, probably if you have you set up a goal, it's probably going to be hard to reach. Yeah. And and, and in this industry, you really kind of think more long term. This is not, you know, I don't know anyone who got rich quite quickly or successful quite quickly. It's about long term working quite hard. It's that type of industry. And and and, and that's I think that's that's fundamental. Uh, so. One needs to have perseverance. Uh, yes, uh, in, in in you know reaching that goal. Uh, another thing that I, I think is very um, important, uh, practical advice um, that I, I I tell students. It's because they are thinking, okay, should I you know which, what type of company if I go into a company, mm. what type of company I'm going to go. But this is true in academia too, perhaps, mm-hmm. in sense of um, should be a small startup. Should it be a you know, a large um, uh, corporate corporation, you know, what type of company should I be going? And, and it goes back uh, to, um, you know, my experience, and I bring this up because, you know, I went through this being in small places and then being in uh, larger companies that so I really, it was very clear to me that I, I highly prefer smaller organizations right. for a number of reasons, because I can develop uh, these personal connections within the team, uh, we can take care of each other more, support each other more than in a large company. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, well, you know, say, well, we didn't make the numbers here, we got to cut 10%. You know, you know in a small company, you wouldn't do that. What you would do is, you know, I, then I, I, I reduce my salary to keep, keep someone on yeah. until things get better. This is the type of, of um, attitude. And, and, and actually, you know, in, in our team, we had times when people said, okay, you know we're not going to take salary for three months mm-hmm. uh, because we we believe in that and we think it's we're gonna make it now in a big corporation you would never have that. No. Uh, you know, um, when let's say an investment round just come true or an investor is paying late. You know, this sort of things which is really nice to have it, it, it uh, you know when you have people around and you know another thing is that you have people getting sick or yeah, going through surgery or something and yes. It's not about you know. Why don't you take one or two weeks off more? You know, work from home even if that person doesn't work. You know, in a a big company, it's it's harder to get away with that. Yeah. Um, And so on. I don't want to get, but but I think it's again goes back to where do you want to be and look at your side. And some people are are going to be very good in a big company. right? They're going to be a lot more um, successful. And so again, one needs to look into himself. What and and. Try to figure out where they're going to be uh, better at. Or if you kind of figure out, you just going to, you know, you got to go with one and then try another one and figure out yourself through experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so figure out uh, the yeah. direction okay. you're heading, do the work, try things out until you find the right fit. Those exactly. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. So something like this. So, and that's, you know, and it goes back, should I say, in the industry, should I, or academia or in the industry? Yeah. yeah. Has you know very similar things. The problem is that you go into into industry; it's pretty difficult to come back into academia, and and that's um, you know that's it is it is what it is. But that's that's how it is. Yes,
2: yeah,
0: no, it can be certainly. Um, That's very good advice, Um, Gergay. We talked a bit about the research you are doing at Canterbio It's a very exciting area, and and of course we wish you the best of luck with it. What what is next for you and the company?
1: What does the future hold? Well, thanks. thanks for the good wishes. Um, I mean, I, I mean I, to be honest, we, you know, we try to carry on um, um, as we had our plan. so, so we, have, um, we have one program that uh, where we have a lead candidate We're trying to push that into the clinic for Parkinson's, which is very exciting because we, you know this is really the first thing where we basically develop from scratch. Um, and so it's very nice to see that it works in animals and, and, and possibly could enter humans. Uh, So that's something that hopefully will happen um, sooner or later, Uh, uh, you know, another, I talked about, you know, the challenges of raising funding, sufficient funding. And I hope that as we get into the clinic with one of our programs that will really, you know, the markets trust to pay attention when you're in, you know, when you're in the clinic. Yes. Um, That hopefully will enable us to to do things better um and uh more you know um you know one, one of the things here let me mention i mean one of the great things about running your own uh, small biotech is that you can make decisions about um you know perhaps spending more time on understanding how things work what's the mechanism of action digging right. more deeper into science because that essentially will sell uh, you know your pro- programs to investors i mean you know efficacy and a lot of these milestones are, are very very important but 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 showing how you know kind of novel mechanism of action is very critical too and a lot of times in a bigger organization you don't have time to do that for that. Mm-hmm. And, and and here we, we really that's kind of one of the fun things because you can we can, we can we can be more of a scientist not just a, a drug developer and anyway that's that's one part uh, another part is that we um, which is a very challenging um, Area for us because um, I mentioned D-Joins are relevant in um, cancer, and so we are getting into cancer um, right. and and developing D-Join inhibitors uh, for cancer. Um, you know, I, I I don't have much background in cancer, so we're trying to develop that, and and I'm learning, and and the whole you know some our people are learning, and we're trying to bring in some people. Mm-hmm. That. And that's also it's kind of all about you know we're always keep learning, and that's a nice thing about this. Area sometimes it's it's very difficult, but it's it's just very nice that 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 you get a chance to learn new things and, and that's so so that's uh, that's probably where the, one of the future is for, for us because obviously finding funding for cancer is just easier than yes than, than neurodegenerative diseases and in, in the context of me you know I, I plan to obviously continue I'm, I'm in here doing this for long term. But uh, one thing, perhaps one I should bring up in this context is that, and I I mentioned this at the very beginning. You know, I I thought much about the fact that it is so difficult to get uh, funding for certain things that are, and and how kind of our industry is geared toward, you know, kind of the herd mentality, lowering risk, um, and most importantly, a profit-based investment. You know. Mm -hmm. um, um, view or, 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 or a pro- profit approach to investment, which which obviously it has to be right. I mean that's that's how it is. But you know again the question is how is you know as as a society does that really take us as, as far as as we want to go? And so um, you know we've I, I've done a bit of uh, academic research into this and 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 thought much about kind of how um, uh, the Allocation of capital uh, to develop therapeutics and diagnostics um, for certain diseases, uh, for maybe for some unfund, un- you know, incurable diseases, for example, yes. are misaligned with their uh, essentially uh, disease burden. Okay. So very simply, think about this: you know, um, uh, tropical neglected diseases affects billion people. Um, there's hardly hardly any funding on 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 the companies to to develop this. A lot of funding comes from governments, but but there's no there's no you know there's very little money compared to, to for example how much you send, spend on rare diseases. I mean you're right. spending you know a rare diseases disease is a big thing, and I, I you know I don't you know, it's not that uh, you know I, I think it's a good thing that you're thinking about rare diseases. But if you step back. It just doesn't make sense to spend billions mm-hmm. to treat you know a thousand or people uh, with a drug to develop a, you know it just um it doesn't necessarily make when, when we have a billion people on, on, on right. or, or you know hundreds of millions of people on certain diseases and you're not spending money and it kind of obviously goes back to you know developed countries the west and 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 and, and uh, underdeveloped countries and, and so on and obviously it has to do with a lot of this but um, so this is this is basically you know the, the current state of the industry and what we have been thinking I've been thinking is how can we how can we change that or at least uh, um, find new sources of capital mm. for, for for disease I mean because capital basically comes from Obviously, the taxpayers yeah. uh, goes to the government, and the government and decides to, you know, invest into research some, somehow. So that's one big pool of capital. And there is another big pool of capital from investors venture capitalists, private equity liquidity. And then there's another big pool of capital from you know pharmaceutical industry. Yes. So, but but um, you know, if you look at Alzheimer's disease, you basically have a six hundred billion dollar problem globally. So we are spending over six hundred billion dollars on Alzheimer's disease and we're probably spending maybe 20, 25, uh, but maybe less than 20 billion on diagnostics and therapeutics mm-hmm. as a society. So again, it's kind of like okay, we got a $600 billion problem and you're spending 20 billion to try to solve yeah. that. I mean, is that like is, is that is that how is that logical? It's not logical, but what happens is the six hundred billion dollars actually comes from a different pot. That comes from everyday people yes Everyday, you know Mm -hmm. families are most of the families are spending that money while investment you know money is coming from um again from these three pools of capital uh these three pools of investors who are very prof most of them you know two are very profit uh, oriented yeah so uh, what i'm trying to get to here is that there, there are possible ways of finding a new source of capital and that’s you know patients or patients families which really have not been um, have, have not been tapped properly. I mean nonprofits mm. have tapped this properly. Uh, but there’s a big revolution in finance uh, called crowdfunding that’s happening yeah. enabled by, by, by the internet and and, and and I think that will, that has a chance of, of a chance of fundamentally changing things. It has already changed this on the stock market, right? Yep. So we 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 seen just this last year about a lot more people getting in and they're doing daily trading during the you know COVID lockdowns and so on. But I think there's also another thing where You know, if I'm a patient, um, uh, I'm an Alzheimer patient or Parkinson's patient, or I'm a you know family member, then. I got to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, how can I help develop a therapeutic? You know, by investing into no artist, that won't help because, you well, know, I buy stock in no artists. I don't know what you're going to spend the money on, right? Uh, but I can actually, through crowdfunding, invest it or support a small company or a project or an academic that's kind of doing drug discovery or diagnostic on exactly my condition. So there's a lot more, there's mm. a direct... A connection between funder and 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 fund seeker obviously there's a number of problems so so this is uh one of the things that we are very interested in um in tapping into uh by creating a nonprofit uh, which um focuses on incurable underfunded incurable diseases uh try to um, um essentially apply crowdfunding uh to generate really a new source of capital because i think you know just competing with money just for like let's say government money you know the money the pool of money is there it's not going to be more you know the idea the innovation is creating a new source of capital put bringing more money into into the healthcare system so that's one of our goals and then the second goal is learning from my uh, uh you know experience about how difficult it is to find funding for early stage companies we want to Take that money and actually invest it in early stage companies. So we okay. don't want to. Uh, the idea is that uh, you you invest and actually very much focus on supporting uh, uh, commercial entities that are early stage, where they have difficulty, you know, doing proof of concept right. or early stage. Uh, because what happens in, for example, tropical neglected diseases and a lot of these things, that there's a lot, of, you know, government funding and all. Oh, all this funding is going to the clinical trials oh, right okay there's a big lack where you are, are kind of doing this early stage stuff um and and there's a big a big issue there so so we're tr- we're thinking we're laying a f- uh, the base of foundation that kind mm. of brings to the crowdfunding, kind of early stage funding and in the nonprofit world some people are doing this but but not necessarily together and not necessarily about uh, so integratively so so that's something that you're trying to do actually uh, uh, with, uh, with also, uh, it, it's very early days but um, my wife is a big help she's also in healthcare and okay this so this is kind of our pet project that you're doing but we think there's a big big potential and again we think long term so let's see where we get to. It.
0: No, it's very interesting. I think um you know also what that does is of course it shifts the decision making power from an executive in a pharmaceutical company about what they're going to pursue to the people who have been affected by the diseases, right? If you make it easy enough for them to contribute, then the people with the greatest need will receive the greatest funding. And,
1: exactly. and that's yeah. exactly what. We, so we, we just we published we just published an editorial drug discovery today. Its title is uh, "Promise of Crowdfunding to Finance Research and Development for Novel Diagnostics and Therapeutics for Incurable Diseases." So, it's um, it's exactly argues that that uh, that um, and and kind of kind of tries to bring together how this ecosystem could could work in the future.
0: Very interesting. Well, I I will certainly take a look at that, and hopefully, a lot of the listeners will do the same. Gerge, it's been fascinating talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and I think there's some really interesting things there for people to,
1: to take away. Uh, thanks, thanks very much for the opportunity and, uh, and, uh, and uh, look, to be, look forward to be uh, listening to your shows in the future.
0: Thanks for joining us on Careers in Discovery and don't forget to subscribe for more insight into the world of drug discovery and R&D. Do take a look at our sponsors, Singular Talent and their mission to make hiring better for companies and individuals in drug discovery and R&D. You can find them at www.singulartalent.io.
2: See you next time.